Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, everybody. Are you ready to review a mock draft in October? Yeah, that's right. We did a mock draft on Monday. It was really fun. It was really slow. Even though Ben Gretsch thought it would be really quick, uh, he was wrong. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday. It's almost Halloween. He's the least favorite day of the year. So I'm just going to troll everybody today. I'm Adam Azer. And of course, on this Wednesday morning, the Heath is on. Hey, Heath, any Ty Johnson in your life uh, after yesterday's waiver wire? I believe I acquired zero Ty Johnson yesterday, um, which he wasn't a huge priority for me. There was one league where I really needed a running back, and so I tried to, I think I put 20, 20% bid in, and somebody got him for 40. I'm just not sure he's very good. I'm not sure the situation is very good, and I'm not sure he's going to have a very big chunk of it. There's a chance Kenyon Drake ends up on the Lions. There's a chance J.D. McKissick's just better. So I didn't make him that big of a priority. Okay. I think I got J.D. McKissick in just about every single one of my leagues. So I let everybody else have Ty John. I bid on Johnson. It just didn't work. How do you feel about that, Benny and the Gretsch? I feel pretty good. I, I just want to clarify uh, for the record, the you know the mock draft's only going to be as fast as the people that are in it. I never really thought it was going to be that fast unless we actually tried to make it fast. That was kind of a, a mess. I think you said something like, every pick could take about 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah. No, I, I that's that was there the was high a, end. If we could average that, I was trying to push people to actually be ready and have like lists made so that they could pick quick. Mm-hmm. I think all my picks average ten seconds, and he's yeah, mine I may have. I kind of hated Ben over this whole thing, but it's <laughs> over with now, and so I don't hate him anymore. I'm back to hating Adam for his terrible, terrible movie takes on Twitter. Uh-huh. I love the idea that you come up with this like category that you've created of action movies that don't include superhero or sci-fi movies, except for kind of sci-fi movies that you don't think are quite sci-fi enough. <laughs> Look, you know an action movie when you see it, and Terminator 2 is an action movie. There's no question about it. I mean, I know it's a little bit sci-fi, but, but like— So are all of the Avenger movies. But they deserve their own category. <laughs> you can't really have Sub, an action subcategory. movie. Subcategory. Yes, they are a subcategory Sub of action. Category. Sure. Yes. They, yes. yes. You, you aren't doing them justice. You can't rank the Avengers with Schwarzenegger movies. You just can't do it. They're completely different Because they're all better than the Schwarzenegger oh, movies. Dumb. Oh, wow. All right. Let's go through the news and notes. Then we're going to talk about the top 100 for the rest of the season, which is basically what we accomplished when we did our mock draft. And, of course, in our mock draft... Uh, which we started on Sunday night, actually, and finished on Monday before the Jets-Patriots game. Uh, ben went 1RB, and Heath went 0RB, which is kind of interesting since those strategies have somewhat blown up in our faces this year, mostly because the wide receivers at the top have been a little disappointing. But uh, we'll see how that worked out. But on Johnson's on IR, and Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, possibly Trey Carson could get in there. Uh, they've got the Giants this week and the Raiders next week. We know the setup. We've talked about it. We talked about it on two two podcast episodes yesterday because we had the bonus pod. Is there anything we need to add about this situation? I, I did want to go through the bids in some of our leagues. Uh, in the sorry, in the military league, I believe, which is a twelve team fab league. Ty Johnson went for twenty seven dollars. All these are hundred dollar budgets. In the two quarterback league, Ty Johnson went for twenty dollars. In the 10-team league that we're in, Ty Johnson, and the two-quarterback league is uh, 12 teams. In the 10-team league that we're in, Ty Johnson went for $29. So there you go, 20 to 30% of the original budget. Of course, just got a text from one of our listeners said he went for $84 out of $100. So I think, well, we were a little bit more cautious with him, and 
Uh, yeah, McKissick I took for like six bucks in some leagues. So uh, I don't know. Ben, you haven't gotten a word in on this. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know that I have a ton okay. to add from the conventional wisdom. They uh, carry on Johnson. It took him a year to just be to, to, to get a chance to be the lead back. I expect there to be a committee. And, and I mean, I think McKissick will be kind of the receiving back. And I think Carson has a chance to work into a role too. I don't really know that that Ty Johnson was worth like a, especially not $84. No, no. Uh, Arizona signed Alfred Morris. So Heath, what does that tell you about David Johnson? And Chase Edmonds is uh, yeah. As they get ready for the saints. The only thing it really tells me for sure is that they don't know for sure that David Johnson's okay. This doesn't necessarily tell me he's not going to play this week. It, I think it probably helps fantasy owners in that with Alfred Morris on the roster, if David Johnson shouldn't play, he'll probably be inactive now, which would be nice of Arizona to do. Boy, what a shame. Which, I, why? Yeah, go ahead. He started the game on Sunday. Yeah, I, yeah. I look. Dave and Jamie kind I of debated like this. Weeks. I think he reagger. I think it's, there's a good chance he, he reaggravated the injury. You know, he had to. Have. You would think. Uh, by the way, for Arizona, it's not unless I'm looking at their schedule wrong. I have to pull it up. But they've got four of the toughest run defenses in football coming up, plus a bye. They've got the Saints, the Bucks, and the Niners twice, and then a bye. That's their next five weeks. So. I, like, I know that David Johnson would be a must-start regardless of schedule. Is Chase Edmonds also, if Johnson's out, a must-start regardless of schedule? I don't know about must-start. Depends on your options. But I think you're hoping, essentially, from like a fantasy touch value perspective, that he works into a role similar to what Austin Eckler had had, I would say, in 2017 and 18 behind Melvin Gordon, where Eckler... Got, you know, eight to ten touches, but a lot of them were those high-value touches we talk about. He'd catch a lot of passes. He'd get some red zone work. No, he obviously I, I showed mean, ability. I, I mean, if David Johnson's out, I'm sorry. I don't mean in conjunction with David Johnson. Oh. I mean, I mean would you trust him in these brutal matchups? Saints, Bucks, Niners, Bucks. Uh, would you trust him the way you would trust David Johnson, essentially, or, or, essentially yeah. or, or slightly less, you know? Yeah, no, so I'm sorry. Yeah, tough matchups. It's still a high... Uh, a high um, Paced offense, they're still going to run a ton of plays. I would, I'd play Edmonds every single week. You with, give me without Johnson. Yeah, give me Chase Edmonds against the four most difficult matchups over Ty Johnson against the four most easy matchups. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Okay, San Francisco got Emmanuel Sanders. We did react to this yesterday, but in case you didn't hear it, Heath, what's your take on Emmanuel Sanders going to the 49ers? I'm generally pessimistic about wide receivers changing teams in the middle of the season, and he's going to a team that has only thrown 168 passes. It's the fewest, and you might think that's because they've had a bye already. It's the fewest per game as well. They just are not throwing the football. No, I think and Minnesota has fewer, no? I may, Maybe. Maybe I, I did that math se- wrong, I but that's second. Second, second fewest. Yeah. Well, you got me. Um, <laughs> they don't throw the football. I'm still right. Yeah. And what's worse is like Minnesota throws it to their wide receivers a lot. Fewer than 50% of their passes have gone to wide receivers because of George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan's offense liking to involve the running backs. That should go up a little bit with Sanders being there. But I really see like the upside being a low-end number two wide receiver in this offense. And I wouldn't expect that with his first week with the team. Okay, and um, Cortland Sutton hopefully just keeps it going on pace for 82 catches, 1,300 yards, and seven touchdowns. I, I, the only thing I worry about, and I, I liked the uh, the rocket ship going on there with Ben. I think that's what that was. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a rocket ship emoji on a podcast is a hard thing yes. to pull off, but Ben did it. I I don't know that there's a lot of room for more targets for Cortland Sutton. I think he was already at 28% of the team's targets. So my only concern would be that without Emmanuel Sanders on the other side, he gets double teamed more often and his targets stay similar and his efficiency goes down a little bit. But he's got room to come down and still be a high-end number two wide receiver rest of the season. Right. I mean, he, part of it is like he's been so good already that it just kind of solidifies that that's going to continue without that that second potential number one competing with him. Yeah, I think the only thing that might derail him would be Drew Locke, and hopefully that doesn't happen for uh, Cortland Sutton. Other things we're going to talk about today, we do have one regulators I want to get to. We got your emails on the Apple podcast or your, your Apple podcast questions. We have some fill in the blank that I'm hoping to get to. We will preview the Thursday night game, Minnesota and Washington, 
And speaking of which, Adrian Peterson says he plans to play this week. Chris Thompson probably not going to play. Josh Norman may not play. Adam Thielen didn't practice, but there's hope that he's going to play. So we do have some injury questions to get to. And Kirk Cousins, top 12 quarterback this week for everyone, which I think is very, very interesting because I thought Heath wasn't going to have him that high uh, based on what you said on Sunday. But uh, you'll have a chance to talk about that. Just the fact that you thought they'd be able to run the ball over the the Redskins and... And that's that. Uh, Cleveland could be interested in Giants left tackle Nate Solder if they can't get Trent Williams, according to Jason Lockenfora. The Colts should get Malik Hooker back this week. And Sterling Shepard says he's he says it's just a matter of returning this week or next week. That's what Sterling Shepard says. We shall see. Uh, please help us out and check out our survey, cbsports.com slash survey. It uh, apparently takes a little bit longer than five minutes, but I promise it's really not bad. And uh, I know a lot of you already filled it out, so thank you so much. But we could use your help. CBSSports.com slash survey. You get your opportunity to really help us with the show, find out what's working and what isn't working. We have a lot of other podcasts that you could listen to. If you go to CBSSports.com slash podcast or podcasts, CBSSports.com slash podcasts, um, you can see all of our shows. And on Facebook this week, uh, we've got uh, another giveaway, your bad beats. So you want a T-shirt? Tell us about your bad beats. Go to Facebook and uh, find the Fantasy Football Today group. And a big shout-out to Robert Thomas, who's helped moderating the group and doing an amazing job. So top 100 rest of season, or I guess a look at our 12-team. PPR, here's the format. PPR, three receivers and a flex. Six-point per, six per passing touchdown, right, Ben? Yeah, we didn't even actually no. establish that, but sure. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the results, you know, I took running backs with my first two picks. I had the fourth pick. I took Zeke, and then I took Aaron Jones. And then, Ben, you had the sixth pick, and Heath had the eighth pick. You guys went... Ben took, went one RB. He went with Le'Veon Bell at six overall, and then not another running back until round seven. And Heath, you went zero RB. You didn't take a running back until round six. So talk about that, guys. Considering that hasn't been a good strategy so far this year, I don't think anyway. Uh, why? Why'd you do it, Ben? Yeah, I don't know that I'm ready to say it hasn't been a good strategy this year. It depends on which players you drafted. Obviously, it has not been as good of strategy as I expected. But I still think like maybe. The people that took Juju Smith-Schuster don't have much of an out now. But if you drafted Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins, I think you're probably going to be okay. If you drafted Michael Thomas and Julio Jones or even Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, I think you're probably going to be okay because there have been a ton of running backs that were drafted in that zero running back range that are really helping you out. I didn't go into this draft thinking I was going to draft a zero running back team. I had zero strategy whatsoever. I just when it was my turn, picked the, what I thought was the best player left, and this is the way it ended up. I think that probably tells you that running backs went pretty quickly in this draft. The first, I think, seven or eight picks in the draft were running backs, and that's a reaction to what's happened so far. I couldn't pass up Michael Thomas with the running backs that were left, especially in PPR. There's nothing safer than Michael Thomas being a number one wide receiver in PPR. Yeah, I, I like the way your team turned out, actually, because you have four running backs that you took took in round six, seven, eight, and nine that get work. Royce Freeman, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and Tariq Cohen, and it's PPR. So, you know, you have a you have Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, and Tyler Lockett, plus Lamar Jackson, who could be the number one quarterback, and Darren Waller. Royce Freeman, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, Tariq Cohen. I mean, I guess you can get by like that. It's just you need your wide receivers to be good. And one of your wide receivers is Tyreek Hill, who's with out Mahomes for maybe three or more games, and then Tyler Lockett could get four targets a week. So, you know, you need them to well, hit. Well, I, I, we can say that about He could have a week with four targets, sure, but he's been a top eight wide receiver so far this season. Yeah, he was an easy third-round pick. Yeah, uh, No, round. I don't mind and, the pick, yeah. You took him. I mean, I, before, I, I think I he's know, had. I feel like you should have taken T.Y. Hilton. T. Hilton went one pick after. Those are the two I was considering where I took Kittle, and this we did before the Emmanuel Sanders trade. I probably would have taken one of them at, at my pick in the third round as well. Yeah, Heath, like, lock it over Hilton. I know we didn't have like a list up. We didn't have a draft room, so I, I guess could have been a little tricky to keep track of who was there. But Oh, I have, yeah, most of the time I had no idea who was there and often regretted my pick three picks later. 
Did you regret that? If you could do it again, would you take Hilton over Lockett? I think if only because Hilton's already had his bye week, right? Yes. Yeah. That would be the only reason, yes. Right. I think they're kind of the same guy now. The thing is, it's weird about T.Y. Hilton. He's not being targeted the way he was when Andrew Luck was quarterback. His yards per target, yards per reception have cratered. He's just scoring a lot of touchdowns. And I do worry. I don't expect Jacoby Brissett to have a 7% touchdown rate the rest of the season. And when that normalizes, I do worry that T.Y. Hilton won't be as good as he's been so far. Okay. Yeah, I think he's he's getting a pretty good amount of red and green zone targets. All right, Ben, your team, Le'Veon Bell. So, like, I got to ask you about that. Because, first of all, here's here's what's really intriguing about running backs right now. There is a well-established narrative that being on a good offense is good for running backs, right? Well, if you look at PPR, there are only if you look at the top 12 running backs in PPR so far on a per game basis. So not even not factoring in the buy, just or, or I guess factoring in, but with a per, per game basis. There are only 4 running backs in the top 12 right now that are on top 15 offenses. And then Kamara is on the number 16 scoring offense. So that is amazing. Like Austin Eckler and and Nick Chubb are top five running backs, and their offense is ranked twenty third in scoring. Leonard Fournette's twentieth, David Johnson seventeenth, James Conner twenty first ranked offense, Josh Jacobs eighteenth, Saquon Barkley twenty fifth. So kind of so, but Le'Veon Bell is not in the top twelve, by the way. So I was surprised you took him as what the sixth running back off the board. You took him ahead of Fournette. You took him ahead of David Johnson, who is hurt. You took him ahead of James Conner. Oh, how are you surprised? Ben's been saying for six weeks that he's buying all of the Jets. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you took him ahead of Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette. That that surprised me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so first of all, like, you had a lot of a lot of good thoughts there. First of all, the I would reject the idea that the that we're looking I would challenge the narrative that running backs need to be on good offenses in 2019 because there's a lot more pass-heavy teams, and we want the running backs on teams that are willing to give the ball to their running backs. But also there's a lot more committees, and we want running backs that are going to to see the majority of their work So uh, on their offense. So it, it almost doesn't matter if the offense is really good, like, say, the Patriots, if they're using three, four running backs. We're not going to take those guys in the first round. So. And this, it's definitely a positive point when you're talking about a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara, that they're on good offenses. It's not the only thing. Saquon Barkley was a top two running back in every format last year on one of the worst offenses in the league. Because he got so much No, first of all, they they actually were 17th in scoring. They weren't that bad. And and Christian McCaffrey was also on a team that was like 17th in scoring. But that was very unusual. But no, your point is taken. I mean, maybe it just doesn't apply to the landscape that we're seeing right now and times are changing. I'm just pointing out that typically you would not see only four of the top 15 offenses represented in the top 12 running backs. That That's all. That's what I'm saying. Like It's it's unusual what right. we're seeing so far. But Bell over Chubb uh, and Fournette right. is a little surprising yeah. to me. So the, the Bell pick, I mean, yeah, we've talked about it a ton. Uh, number one, I don't think anything that he's done to date is really indicative of what he's going to be as a player. Is very similar to what we were talking about with Fournette a few weeks back. And a few weeks back before Fournette, Started producing, I was writing about that in Ceiling Signals every week, saying his workload is massive. He's playing every snap. He's running routes on every drop back. Uh, you don't see a ton of running backs that have workloads like this. That gives him kind of a script-proof uh, profile where he's going to put up uh, stats in the running game if they're leading, in the passing game if they're trailing. Le'Veon Bell has the exact same scenario, but he's also been playing with Luke Falk. Um, you know, Darnold's been out for several weeks. They've had a I don't know that their schedule's actually been particularly tough to date, but obviously they had a tough game in week seven against New England in New England, and they have an absolutely cake schedule the rest of the way, which is the biggest reason they start against Jacksonville this week, but they get Miami twice in the next couple months. They get Washington and the Giants and Oakland and like just yeah, pretty much every bad schedule. defense you can best imagine. Schedule. So yeah. I, I phenomenal have... schedule. He's going to play every down. He's going to run routes. He's going to get uh, a huge percentage of their goal line work. Uh, until this last game, he had scored in both of Darnold's starts, and then and then the Jets had a really bad game against the Patriots. But most of his bad production to date has just been because the offense has been awful. But it should be better, especially in these matchups and with Darnold under center. By so low. you made this pick before the Jets and Patriots <laughs> played did. on Monday night. This was a Sunday night pick. Yeah. If this draft had started like in the third quarter of Monday night football, and you had seen you, you were experiencing what Sam Darnold and the Jets were doing. Is it possible you would have taken Nick Chubb or Leonard Fournette? 
I, I may have taken Fournette. I, Chubb, okay. I'm worried about Kareem Hunt. He's a, like he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks. I think Chubb is very good, and there's a good chance that he could keep the job. But Kareem Hunt's, you know, no pushover, and and I think he might work in. So it would have been Fournette if it wasn't Bell for me. Okay. Um. So the first round looked like this: McCaffrey, Barkley, Cook, Zeke, Kamara, and uh, guys, I I'm Dalvin Cook's number two for me. Like I, he should go ahead of Barkley. I agree with that. I don't see why not. You know, um, is Camaro? Yeah, worth... I kind of agree with it too. But yeah. I, I, I was just going to say that top five where you stopped, I think, is like the clearest part of this. We have like a clear top five, which is interesting. It's the top four that we knew coming in plus Cook. Yeah, and but then I think Camara, at six, there's a case. For is Camara uh, worthy of a top five pick right now, given the injury? Yeah, because Breeze might even be back. I mean, I, I'm assuming that Kamara's injury is not going to cost him several more weeks, but uh, Breeze should be back as well, which is going to be huge for Kamara. Yeah, okay. if you just told me for sure I don't get Alvin Kamara for the next two weeks, um, but then I get him back after that, which I think is the most likely scenario, there's not another running back I would take over him. Right, and, and you say two weeks. That's only one game because they have a bye next week, and then hopefully he's back and certainly Breeze back after the bye. Uh, okay, the rest of round one is Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, Michael Thomas. Remember, it's three receivers in PPR. Leonard Fournette, David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, and James Conner. And the first pick of round two is Julio Jones. And just real quick, Heath, with with uh, Will Fuller out now for a few weeks, with Mohamed Sanu out on the Patriots now, are DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones, you know, ready to be first round pick, you know, caliber player perform like first round picks. I believe they are. I, I think the running back run should have ended after Leonard Fournette. I'm not 100% sure it should have included Nick Chubb, but he's very, very close. Um, in PPR, I probably would have taken both Hopkins and Julio over Chubb. I definitely would have taken both of them over David Johnson and James Conner at this point with what we know. Um, neither of those running backs are fully healthy. It's a PPR format and both Hopkins and Jones should be trending in the right direction. Now I'm going to ask you all about the running backs in a moment. Cause I th- I do think, yeah, as, as, uh, as Ben was saying after those top five, you know, pick six and be a little tricky. The next three running backs off the board after the top five running backs were Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette. And then you start looking at James Connor, start looking at Chris Carson, who's got a brutal schedule coming up. Um, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs was a second-round pick. We'll talk about that, but I need to tell you about Lightstream. Most people carry a balance on their credit cards, and the APR on those is over 20% on average. But we can get you a better rate at lightstream.com slash FFT. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash FFT. Now you can take control of your bills with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Get peace of mind knowing you're saving money with an interest rate as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. Lightstream believes you deserve a fair, fast, and easy way to pay off your credit card balances, and you can get a fixed rate loan from $5,000 to $100,000. You're going to pay far less in interest and nothing in fees. It has never been easier to apply online. You can even do it from your phone. And you can get your money into your account as soon as the same day that you apply. So, look, I know a lot of people really struggle with their credit card bills. And this is a great way to pay it off, to get that loan, to get a low interest rate. It's it's really awesome. And you can get a special interest rate discount when you apply now at lightstream.com slash FFT. So you're already getting a low rate. You go to lightstream.com slash FFT, you get an even lower rate. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash FFT for more information. Again, you're going to lightstream.com slash FFT. Okay, so who are the running backs that you guys saw, you know, that raised, that, that were either really good picks or, or really questionable picks? Starting with James Conner and going through the end of, like going up to Todd Gurley, I guess. So it's Conner as RB9. Carson, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, Todd Gurley. And then there was a bit of a gap before I think we got to like Mark Ingram late in the third round. Well, that that gap I think is really interesting. So part of the reason I think the running backs went so heavy in the first round, and we had 10 in the first round out of 12 picks, is because, and we talked about this last week a little bit, 
Um, there's there's the running backs that we know have these stable workloads and we have to assume are going to be pretty solid the rest of the season. Um, even guys in bad offenses like the Le'Veon Bells. And then there's a lot of uncertain situations. And it's interesting. Ten running backs won the first round. Ten combined over the next three rounds. And everyone in the draft pretty much shifted to receivers and eventually some of the elite tight ends. So I think that's a really interesting trend that we saw here where um, I, I tend to agree with Heath that guys like Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins are probably a little bit more valuable than some of those back-end running backs. But I think scarcity of the top-end running backs at this point in the season was a really big takeaway here and was part of the reason that guys like Hopkins and Julio Jones got pushed down a little bit. Uh, as far as the specific backs that you asked about, like I didn't want to take you know Josh Jacobs or Todd Gurley. I'm not like fully confident in those workloads. Um, you know, Marlon Mack, some of these guys are a little bit more on the trap side. I've talked about high value touches. Uh, I'm concerned about, you know, Josh Jacobs has had a decent receiving role. Marlon Mack has had a decent receiving role, but they don't run huge route shares. Aaron Jones, obviously sharing with Jamal Williams. I think it's really tough to know from that point forward, like who was going to be the productive backs. And that was a big reason I went away from, from running back after I took a top end one in the first round. But you don't yeah, have I any think good it's... running backs. Like you have Le'Veon Bell and you have Miles Sanders and Damian Williams. Like you can't start Miles Sanders and Damian Williams. I don't. So I don't think you have to have an elite second running back you, to win you, in fantasy. You, don't have, Actually, a good, you best... don't have a good second running back. You don't need one. My my absolute best fan. Those are both high upside plays. Miles Sanders and Damian Williams are both guys that are in pretty good offenses. They've been catching passes. If they earn more of the work, if something happens to Jordan Howard or if something happens to LaShawn McCoy, I don't like either of them right now either. But in the seventh or the ninth round, we're talking 100 picks into drafts. That their value is depressed at that point, and they both have upside down the stretch. What uh, are you saying? But your best I, teams, I'm not like your best teams don't. have... My best team yeah. that I drafted this offseason. It was interesting that you, you noted that these strategies haven't really worked. Was a one running back strategy. I actually took Dalvin Cook in the second round. And yeah, if you hit on Dalvin Cook, you hit on Dalvin Cook. But I took Juju Smith-Schuster in the first round. And it, it, like I don't even play him. I took a bunch of receivers after that. And I have a really good, when you start three receivers in a flex like we're doing in this format, I have a really good three receiver tight end flex combination with one good running back. And I mix and match my second running back. And it doesn't really need to be a, a productive spot in your lineup. I, don't, I think we talked about this since the offseason. People really try to get running back depth if you have one good running back and you're only weak at that second running back spot and you're strong everywhere else, you can still put up good fantasy totals. It's not like the points count different when they come from running back. Yeah, I got you. So, let, so let's focus a little on buy low, sell high, since that's what we do on the Wednesday show. And then you look at this draft board, Heath, did you see anybody that maybe was underdrafted that you could, could see as a buy low or someone who's overdrafted that you could see as a sell high? Uh, I, got a, I got a couple of names here, but I'll, I'll throw it to you first. I, the thing I thought was really interesting is the Packers and the Broncos situations. I view them pretty similarly in terms of the running backs. I think they're both hot hand situations. All four running backs can be useful, at least as flexes, possibly as number two running backs on a week to week basis. And both of the lead running backs have a little bit of a weight holding their value down. They were not drafted like that at all. And I think it's probably because Aaron Jones had such a good bounce back game because he would not have gone this high if we'd done this immediately after week six. But Jones went in the second round. Jamal Williams went in the seventh. You look at the Broncos. Philip Lindsay went in the fourth round. Royce Freeman went in the sixth. I think that they should be closer together like that, but I still like I think Philip Lindsay's a pretty good buy low right now. I still expect him to have good weeks more often than not. I think it seems like Jamal Williams must have gone the opposite direction, so I'd probably buy low on him right now. And it may be a good time to sell high on Aaron Jones if that's the perception of him that he's all of a sudden a top ten running back again or a top twelve running back again. I took him. Uh and you know, I don't see a running back that went after Aaron Jones that I would rather have other than maybe Todd Gurley. Uh, he went to two. He was four picks later, five picks later, but he was a second running. So it was Aaron Jones, then Marlon Mack, then Todd Gurley. I just felt like running back gets kind of scary after that. And yeah, you're talking about a timeshare. Everybody's basically in a timeshare except for Mack and Gurley. Um, but I, yeah, I, I could see the you know in PPR I didn't really want Mack, but I could see the case for Gurley over Jones, but Gurley is just running the ball so poorly. Jones is on this great offense. He's scoring a lot. He's a top five running back right now on a per-game basis, Aaron Jones. Uh, he's had four well, catches, I, two yeah, straight I, weeks. 
So I, right. I, still like I, I don't dislike him, but I just think that his value is closer to Williams than this draft suggested. And and I, th- what Ben was talking about was in this range is when everybody else was taking wide receivers and the elite tight ends. And the choice that you made basically was Aaron Jones and Cortland Sutton no. over Philip Lindsay and either Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen or Odell Beckham. And I think Lindsay is closer to Jones than Sutton is to those three wide receivers. That's if, a good point. If Philip Lindsay but I do doesn't think get Jones the wasn't... last point, I'm sorry, Ben. If Philip Lindsay doesn't get the the work inside the five yard line, then he's not somebody I'm interested in starting because that was the one well, thing sure. that propped him up. And last week, Royce Freeman got the goal line touchdown. So if that starts to be a split inside the five, then but you That's would have had problem. the similar concerns about Aaron Jones. Like these situations are going to fluctuate week to week. But the, the larger Packers. trend over the season is that Philip Lindsay has gotten the work inside the five, and Philip Lindsay's seen slightly more touches and more than fifteen in almost every game. Like he had a, he's going to have a bad game when he's in this type of situation it's where Freeman offenses. gets the hot hand. It's the offenses, but it's, 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 it's it not though. The offenses don't matter. Joe they Flacco matter. is throwing more passes. They're to not the running scoring. Backs they don't score as much. PPR. They, I, I'm going to go with the guy matter. in the Packers offense over the guy in the Broncos offense. I mean, everybody's taking well, Aaron Jones ahead of Philip Lindsay. I get. That. I'm not saying to take Lindsay ahead of Jones. I'm saying I think the difference between those two is smaller well, than the difference between the receivers you could have had. When I took Aaron, well, but yeah, but that's hindsight. When I took Aaron Jones in round two, I didn't know that Philip Lindsay was going to go two full rounds later, basically. Like, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, I'm not criticizing. I was going to say a you second are, ago, yeah. I think Aaron Jones was fine where you took him. I think his value is fine. I mean, we just don't really know, and I agree with his whole point as well, but it is a it is a good offense. You're right. He's getting plenty of high-value touches. He's running a lot of routes. They're using him in the passing game. They're using him in the downfield passing game, which has proven to be a very valuable a uh, little small subset uh, of touches. We don't see running backs do a lot of that, but Austin Eckler caught a deep touchdown this week. Todd Gurley, we've seen it from David Johnson. We've seen it from Miles Sanders this year. Guys that are actually, running backs that are actually getting downfield on linebackers. They're, I think they're getting targeted at a really high rate when they run those routes, and they're getting really high production out of those plays. Uh, every guy I just named has caught at least one touchdown on a deep target. So Aaron Jones, we've seen that twice, two weeks in a row. He dropped the touchdown Two weeks ago, then they went back to him this week, and he scored a touchdown on that play. Uh, I, I think he's has plenty of value in his role, even though it is a committee. Jamal Williams also scored in this game. But I, I think you're discounting the Broncos' backfield way too much. We, we've talked about this for a couple of weeks. They're top five in high-value touches to the running back position. Lindsey and Freeman are basically splitting them right down the middle. But Joe Flacco throws so many passes to his running backs, and... I'm not, I mean, there is some goal line work, but I'm not as worried about the scoring potential in an offense where they're getting, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but probably eight, nine targets per game to yeah, the running guys, backs listen, right now. Yeah, listen, here's the bottom line. Philip Lindsay on a per game basis in PPR is RB18, and Royce Freeman is RB25. Aaron Jones is RB5. So it's like you can you can touch talk about touches all you want and all that. I'm talking about production. We're seven games into the season. Aaron Jones is right. RB five. Philip Lindsay is RB eight. He had a four touchdown games while Jamal Williams. He had a four touchdown game while, while Jamal Williams was out. But of he's basically he's been. But he's basically been reliable every week except for week one, and week uh, week six wasn't great. Yeah. yeah, but but he's you know. I think if you looked at Aaron Jones per game when Jamal Williams has played, it would be very similar to Lindsay and Freeman. No, I don't think that's. I don't think it would. I okay. I think I'll do the math. Okay. Yeah. Let's I, talk about a couple. I thought a couple yeah, of interesting ben, receivers. Give me, give me some buy low, sell high out of this. Go ahead. So Brandon Brandon Cooks went 70th overall in this draft. He went after Marquez Valdez Scantling. I took Michael Gallup over him. I, I was considering Cooks, but I really like Gallup's downfield profile. He didn't get many air yards last week, but they were up the whole game. When they are in close games this year, they've been willing to throw downfield. So I, I'm pretty high on Gallup right now. But as I did that, I thought to myself, wow, I'm I'm really discounting Brandon Cooks right now. Uh, yes, Cooper Cup has exploded. Yes, Gerald Everett is involved in getting a lot of downfield work and getting a lot of air yards that may be limiting Brandon Cooks. But are we that sure that Brandon Cooks is going to be bad the rest of the season? I, I think he's an interesting by-low candidate way back there. Uh, Chris, and then some injured guys. Christian Cook, Kirk went in the, the eighth round. Uh, Robbie Anderson and uh, went in the eighth round as well, who, because Sam Darnold has been injured, has not really had great quarterback play. I think there's some potential for him to outproduce that. Uh, I, I thought the receiver 
shakeup in like the sixth to eighth round was really interesting. Okay, yeah, I took Anderson because of the schedule, Robbie Anderson. But the pick I took before that in the seventh round, so that was you know somewhere around 90th overall, was A.J. Green, who I suspect is back in two weeks after their bye. And, you know, I, I'm i still optimistic about him. I mean, the, the wide receivers that went after him were Marquise Brown, Marvin Jones, Philip Dorsett, Robbie Anderson, Larry Fitzgerald. It's not a bad group. But uh, I, liked, I liked that A.J. Green pick. I was happy about that. I think that I think that Darren Waller, I mean, Heath, you took him as the fourth tight end off the board. You know, you took him ahead of Zach Ertz. And I would I would turn Darren Waller into Zach Ertz. I would probably try to turn Austin Hooper into Zach Ertz. Waller didn't have any touchdowns so before this game against the Packers. Now, if Tyrell Williams comes back, when he comes back, hopefully in the next few weeks, I think that could hurt Darren Waller. And he could go back to just being like a 6-for-60 guy. You know, very, very good PPR guy. But... um I don't. I can't see a justification. So I would say sell high on. Well, I could see a justification. I could, I, but I wouldn't do it. I would say sell high on Darren Waller and buy low on Zach Ertz. I was going to say I wouldn't. Buy, I wouldn't take Waller over Ertz. So that's a okay. That little trick first thing things first. By my math, Philip Lindsay has averaged fourteen point seven PPR fantasy points per game when Jamal Williams has played, and Aaron, um, Aaron Jones. Aaron, Aaron Jones, Jones has? 14, Aaron Jones, 14.7. Philip Lindsay is at 14.5 for the season. Um, so <laughs> very, That's very perfect. similar. Okay. That's so perfect. Second I don't buy it. I, I think you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> you can do the math while I tell you why you're wrong about Zach Ertz and Darren Waller. First off, I think you would know me well enough after five years of doing this together that I am not going to worry about a touchdown rate for a tight tight end who's amongst the most targeted in the league after five games. It was dumb, bad luck that Darren Waller didn't have any touchdowns. And by the way, Zach Ertz now has fewer touchdowns than Darren Waller does this season. My bigger concern though, is I don't have any worry week to week about Darren Waller's targets. Derek Carr, we saw what he did with Jared Cook last year. Waller's been awesome so far. Carr does not have the time to drop back and look deep like his head coach wants him to. He's going to dump the ball off. Waller's going to be very, very safe in PPR on a weekly basis. I still expect he'll score touchdowns too, but Zach Ertz has kind of lost a little bit the last couple of weeks to Dallas Goddard. And I will admit being wrong on this so far. I thought it was kind of silly that people were projecting Dallas Goddard to take targets away from Zach Ertz when they were on the same team last year. And Ertz was one of the best tight ends in football, but it's happening. 12 targets in his last two games, at least nine PPR points in three of his last four games for Goddard. And that does cause me to discount Ertz just a little bit. I also worry when Deshaun Jackson comes back. Once again, we've got too many mouths to feed in Philadelphia. I think there's an argument you could make for Darren Waller as the number one tight end in PPR the rest of the season. Hmm. Okay. So you're you're cool with that. You're taking Ertz over. You're taking Waller over Ertz. All right. All right. That works for me. He was the fourth. Did you do the math? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do the math. I'm just going to assume you're wrong. But you're probably right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I am confidently taking Aaron Jones over Philip Lindsay. And again, you can't, I, you can't criticize my pick. I didn't, uh, you're, it's hindsight's 2020. Philip Lindsay. Well, you knew, you knew there were going to be, there were really good wide receivers left when you took Aaron Jones. I did. And then and the you knew next there round, would I took, not be a, I took Julian Edelman in the next round, who also is a very good wide receiver. So I got my good wide yes. receiver. Okay. Yeah. But I want to be good at running back still. Um, all right, we got to take a break here. Although, I, I guess, no, let's finish up. If there are any more buy low, sell high opportunities that you guys see. I uh, want to hear your guys' take on Brandon Cooks. I brought that up, and, you, and Adam just, like, oh, no, in I, Adam's host way, just decided to change the subject to what he wanted to talk about. But I actually wanted to get your guys' take I agree. on that. I, I, no, I was, that was your point. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, well, here's my thing, because I think, I think Cooper Cup might be, based on where he went, I don't think he should have gone ahead of Tyreek Hill or Amari Cooper. I'm not sure about Mike Evans. I've kind of soured on Cooper Cup because here's the thing, guys. Like, there, it's just you cannot say. Well, based on last year, their offense isn't as good. I have I haven't soured on Cooper Cup to the point where I don't think he's like a a second round pick. But he went ahead of Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, and Odell Beckham. And but he's been better this year than he was last year. Yeah, yeah. But you know, last two games haven't been good for Cup. 
The offense isn't nearly as good. They still have a bye. I, I just, I don't know. Going ahead of but those studs, Again, I was asking about Brandon Cooks. Well, Brand, I agree. <laughs> you're, you're Brandon <laughs> Cooks. It's, it's, I, you're, I, we agree with your Brandon Cooks take. He's he's a buy low. I didn't, I, how would you know? I haven't is said he, anything. Because trust me, I know he, you believe yeah, it. I want to hear his take on Brandon Cooks. But it's about the, I am a little, I'm a little bit worried about Brandon Cooks. I kind of agree with him falling in this draft. And this is the second consecutive week that in my projections, he's not been a top 30 wide receiver despite a fantastic matchup. <laughs> And that's worrisome. I might fudge the numbers a little bit to try to move them into the top 30, but I did that last week and it was a bad decision. I don't know that there on a week to week basis will be enough time for Jared Goff to target cooks down the field regularly. And I do think that Cooper cup has become the number one in this offense. And one of the things that kind of kept all three Rams wide receivers in that same top 20 range was the fact that there wasn't a number one, so they could all get eight targets per week. If somebody's getting nine and a half, that comes away from someone else. And right now it looks like it's Cooks, especially with the involvement of Gerald Everett. So right. I, I have downgraded Gerald Brandon Cooks. Yeah, he went 70th overall, though. So I think that you can downgrade him and still take him ahead of 70th. Like but I, then I, I, took, I would so take the him. I was asking, I took Gallup ahead of Cooks. And I, it's hard not to because he's a down, like similar downfield threat that's actually getting air yards and actually getting targets. So I don't know. Like if I wanted to really be nitpicky, I would probably take Cooks over Gallup. I would definitely take him over Marquez Valdez Scantling. I would probably in PPR. I don't think I would take him over Alshon. Um, I would have taken him over Ridley before the Sanu trade, which is when this draft was, but now I wouldn't. Um, so like, the next guy is Allen Robinson, and I thought he was maybe the biggest steal in the whole draft. Okay, then I guess buy low on buy low on <laughs> Allen Robinson. Way to go! All right, we got to wrap up uh, this discussion here. You can see the results of the draft on the website on cbsports.com/slash/fantasy, uh, and we're gonna take a quick break on fantasy football today. When we come back, we got to preview this Thursday night game that nobody wants to watch: Minnesota and Washington. And uh, I'm gonna try to take a look at the best playoff schedules and a little bit more. We'll be right back. Washington is at Minnesota, and Heath, are there any Redskins that you're confidently starting? Confidently might be the wrong word, but I'm probably starting Terry McLaurin. I know the most recent game um, wasn't a good one, but I saw this really good email exchange between a couple of fantasy analysts that I really respect (laughs) about how bad the Minnesota corners have been this year. And I don't know that I believe they're quite as bad as that discussion led me to believe, but I don't, I don't think they're a matchup we have to shy away from right now. I'm not going to worry about McLaurin's one bad game in the rain with 12 pass attempts. They'll throw it more on Thursday. I think he'll have a good day. I don't want to start a Washington running back, even if only one of them plays. Um, they're a desperation flex at best. Okay, only one running back so far has had more than 53 rushing yards against the Vikings. That was Aaron Jones, not Philip Lindsay. And uh, only Jones and Miles Sanders have had double-digit non-PPR fantasy points or 12 PPR fantasy points against the Vikings. Uh, yeah, so so like it, so you wouldn't go with, with Peterson or Smallwood to try to get eight no. points? Okay. I I don't want to. I'm it's a desperation play if you have to, but I would rather start Ty Johnson and JD McKissick over both. Would you start? It Ty- feels like the Hilleman Thursday night play from a couple of weeks right, ago that yeah. that backfired exactly. into Heath's mustache. What, what, uh, would you start Terry McLaurin or uh, Ty Johnson? McLaurin by about a country mile. Yeah. See, I think so. Dave and Jamie have McLaurin outside the top thirty. And Heath has McLaurin 14th in non-PPR and 21st in PPR. And the Vikings they the Vikings were number one against wide receivers last year. And this year, they're 23rd or something. So I guess you, know. you could say... Yeah, I'm, all, I'm on Heath's side on that one. All roads are open. <laughs> uh, an interesting thing with McLaurin, Heath mentioned this that that rainy game, but he only had four air yards this week. That's been his whole, his whole game. He's had really consistent air yards week to week. But also Case Keenum only had, I, I can't remember the number, I wrote it in Stealing Signals, a really, really low total of air yards. They didn't throw the ball down the field because they didn't think they could in the pouring rain. It completely, it, like it, that weather game didn't affect any player more than Terry McLaurin. So I'm throwing that game out completely. I still think McLaurin's somebody we should be really high on based on what he's done before that game. 
Okay, we'll uh, transition over to the Minnesota Vikings after I tell you about Harry's razors. Humans have been shaving for over 5,000 years. From flint tools to shark teeth to the first copper razor, we always knew that a great shave comes down to one thing. Simple, sharp, durable blades. That's it. Sharp, durable blades. And that's what you get with Harry's razors, okay? None of the gimmicks or anything like that. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's and get your special trial offer by going to harrys.com slash FFT. Harrys.com slash FFT. Okay, so you can see my face. Speaking of Harry's. Yeah. Your face is going to have a garden. You're going to need a Harry's razor to shave one of these on your face because Gardner Minshew is currently leading Daniel Jones 17.8 points per game to 11.6 points per game. Mm -hmm. And you'll need your razor to do this. So now, yeah, I will. Uh, Heath, I'm going to make you say something that, you know, you're going to say the wrong thing now so I can shove it in your face in a year or two. Okay. If you were starting a franchise right now, would you rather have Gardner Minshew or Daniel Jones? Gardner Minshew. Okay, he was great. a better passer in college. He's I'll, been a better passer in the that, NFL. I'll put that in the I'll, – I'll make a drop of that. So um, anyway, you can see my face. I have a little beard, but I shaved, I shaved the neck last night. I have an intentional beard, and of course I used my Harry's razor, and it's a wonderful shave. It's the best shave I've ever had. I used to have to shave two or three times. If I had a, like a thick facial hair, shave two or three times with, with the old razors I was using – one and done now with Harry's Razor. So if you go to harrys.com slash FFT, this is the offer that you're getting. A, wa- a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. All there with a special offer at harrys.com slash FFT. harrys.com slash FFT. Start shaving better today. Kirk Cousins top 12, huh, Heath? I don't like that, but and this illustrates part of the problem with the Sunday night podcast. Like the rank my rankings weekly are influenced somewhat by my opinion, but it's more math than opinion and I don't know the math on Sunday night, and so I just say the things that I feel and then it turns out I'm wrong. Um or your math is bo- wrong. I mean, like go with it, your gut. It could be. Yeah. No, I th- I don't believe that's a particularly accurate way for me to do it at least um it may be for for some other people but yeah he's a borderline top 12 guy i worry about the volume but i do think that the obviously the efficiency is going to be there yeah so would you rather have jacoby Brissett against denver or kirk cousins this week i am worried a little bit about Brissett because that regression is going to hit at some point but i do have him one spot ahead of cousins and uh, i feel more confident in his pass volume would you rather have Matthew Stafford against the Giants or Kirk Cousins? Uh, Matthew Stafford is a top three quarterback and my favorite quarterback in DFS this week. <laughs> Give me all of the Matthew Stafford. All right, let me get one more here. How about Jared Goff against the Bengals or Cousins? I'll take Goff. So basically, you've like picked all of the guys that I would start over Kirk Cousins. You also I'm have, curious if you have Cousins ahead. ahead of Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers. Yes. Okay. And then start Dalvin Cook. And uh, Ben, would you start... If, if Adam Thielen plays, what would you do? Because if Adam Thielen doesn't play, Stefan Diggs is a top 12 wide receiver. But if Thielen plays, what would you do with Diggs and Thielen? Oh, man, that's tough. I don't think he's going to play. If he does play, I would still... St- I'd, I'd play Diggs because I, I would kind of be concerned about Thielen re-aggravating. Um, it... <laughs> I think it's a really long shot that he plays with a hamstring injury after just three days off, but maybe maybe he toughs it out. I'd have a hard time starting him, and I'd still play Diggs. I don't I don't know. Okay, so Diggs is a must start. Get him in your lineup. Top twelve receiver. He's got a hundred yards in three of his last four games, and without Thielen, yeah, it's going to be great. BC Johnson, Heath, four catches, forty yards, and a touchdown on eight targets last week. Any interest in BC Johnson? Not particularly. How about a tight end, Rudolph and Irv Smith? No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand, but without Thielen there, there are targets to go around, but I get it. But they're going to run. They're at home against Washington. They're going to go into their run-heavy stuff. Okay. So, Not a great situation. So uh, Minnesota's DST is second for Jamie, third for Dave, number one for Heath. It's a pretty easy game. Cousins will be tricky, I guess, for some people, but... You know who you're starting, and you're sitting most of your Redskins. So it's McLaurin and Diggs, I guess, are going to be the uh, the ones we'll get a lot of questions about, and I'm happy to answer them. 
fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Heath, you said uh, Matthew Stafford's your favorite FanDuel quarterback? Yes. Who else? Are you going to stack him with uh, Galladay, Jones? I will play some Galladay and some Jones. So if you're talking about who else are my favorite players on the slate, though, like I said it three weeks ago, Christian McCaffrey needs to be $10,000. They've almost moved him there. He's 9,600 now. I'm probably still going to play him. Latavius Murray's the free space if Alvin Kamara is still out. He's only 6,200 this week. And uh, I'll probably go back to Tyler Boyd. I believe in targets. All right, there you go. And those are some of the strategies that you can take into your FanDuel lineup. And you go to FanDuel.com slash FFT and you sign up right now and you get 20 bucks in site credit, basically. So you put in a deposit of 20 bucks, you get 20 back in site credit, $5 per week, every week for four weeks. And you can play in our contest with those $5. Again, the URL is FanDuel.com slash FFT. I'm having a great time on FanDuel this year. Do very much look forward to making my lineups. I typically wait until Thursday night or Friday after I've done all of my research, after I've got all of my thoughts on all of the re- all of the relevant players. I've tried to identify the sneaky matchups and uh, you know the the sleepers that most people aren't going to own that I'm going to own that are going to win me some money on FanDuel. And you can play for a buck if you want. If you're not really you know if you just want to have fun, or you can play for a lot of money. Whatever you want to do, fifty fifties tournaments. All types of different contests for you. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT. Sign up now. Get $20 in total bonus. Make your first deposit of 20 bucks and get an extra $5 in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT or download the FanDuel app. That is it for the video portion, at least seeing our face. So we're going to take a break, not an audio break. We'll be back, you know, momentarily, but we're going to get a, you're going to set up a little bit differently. We're going to do some regulating, answer your Apple podcast questions, and take a look at the best playoff schedules if we have time. If not, we will save that until tomorrow. So we'll be right back. Here we go. Let's regulate. This is from Carlos in Sunrise, Florida. One of my league managers flew off the rails when he assumed his trade didn't go through because of a veto. He went on a profanity-laced tirade, name-calling, calling everyone the F-word, etc., to have everyone explain in our group chat why it was vetoed and ask for a second vote. The transaction never appeared in transactions, accepted nor vetoed. Turns out the other trade manager hadn't dropped a player, so the trade counted as an illegal transaction. The manager who got upset offered a lame apology saying, quote, bad assumption on my part, end quote, only offering an apology once the trade did go through. Not the point, but this guy is 6-1 and one and ranked number one. As Kamish, I wrote that his outburst was completely unnecessary and not league appropriate. Do you recommend any punitive action for his tirade, leaning towards not inviting him back next season? Heath, what do you think? I I think you have to know your uh, league here. I cannot think of any leagues. I take that back. I have one where that person would not be invited back. But for the most part, that type of stuff is good for fantasy leagues if you're all <laughs> friends and you just get to make fun of him for the next decade about losing his mind over a fantasy trade. Ben? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I was going to say the same thing that it's kind of like, you got to know your crowd. I mean, I'm sure there's leagues where this kind of stuff happens every year, maybe a couple of times a year. Um, I don't, I, I know when I was younger, I was in some leagues like that where people got really worked up on the, on the message boards. I don't really know of any now, uh, but it, it flies in some crowds. Right. But then in others, it would be like way out of line. Uh, ben over under on the number of profanity laced tirades Adam Azer has posted on message boards in his fantasy football career profanity why don't you, why don't you set like, the over under Adam's like a big swearer well you can you can set the over under uh, all right so you said three and a half Heath are you taking the over or the under over yeah the answer is zero I have never once done that ever uh, I'm not really I'm not a trash talker I don't know if you noticed that but like, I'm not a trash talker. I'm not. I'm a very nice guy, but I do curse a lot, Ben. So you're, what are you talking about? That I'm not nice. You don't the think I'm only nice? Only one person on this podcast has called someone an idiot moron, <laughs> or a moron, or an idiot. You really it's you. did it. I can't and believe it's multiple it. times. I have a picture to prove it. You idiots. <laughs> you are such an idiot. Like, what the hell is the matter with you? You moron. I hate you. <laughs> 
Uh, that was uh, that was a great clip from last year. Yeah, that was me. But I but you bring that out at me. I guess the answer would probably be over three and a half. If I had played in more leagues with Heath when I was younger. I would I would say that would be the answer. But I for for um for this particular player for Carlos and Sunrise, your issue's been regulated. Uh, just make fun of him forever, and I would never do something like that. All right, Apple Podcast questions: DK Metcalf or Kenny Stills? I don't know if that's for this week or rest of season or what, but. DK Metcalf or Kenny Stills? Stills, I think, for the short term. I'm excited um, about Metcalf this yeah. week, though. Metcalf I, at Atlanta and Stills against Oakland. They both have great matchups. I, I think I actually have Metcalf ranked a little higher this week. Okay. Uh, Stills played uh, 95% of the snaps because Fuller went out right away. Filled that Fuller role like almost exactly. So I'm, I'm expecting him to be a full-time player downfield option he was basically will filler yeah will filler filled, filled in for will filled, filler. yeah yeah uh re- rank these guys rest of season in ppr robbie anderson jarvis landry golden tate philip dorsett muhammad sanu robbie anderson jarvis landry golden tate philip dorsett muhammad sanu ben i would put dorsett and sanu at the end like he has him i put sanu ahead of dorsett um but i as much as I think the the second round pick is a lot, I don't necessarily think New England's going to use Sanu a ton. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about teams changing uh, players, receivers changing teams in season. They also have Nikhil Harry coming back. Uh, I just I don't see how he's going to be like a fantasy stud. So he's he'd be fourth. Dorsett would be fifth. Who's Dorsett's like shouldn't be rostered at this point. Um, oh. I think Tate would be third. Pretty much the way that he has him ranked, other than flipping Sanu and Dorsett. I think I'd go Robbie, eh, Michael Landry over Robbie Anderson at the top. No, I think I'd go Robbie, Landry, Tate, Sanu, Dorsett. Dorsett doesn't need to be owned. That's interesting. I yeah, mean, his snaps go from like 90% to like 4% based on whether they have guys available. Uh, last year after they acquired Josh Gordon, his snaps, he had been playing like 90% every week, disappeared, shot back up after Gordon was done for the year. This year, same thing. He, he's played high snaps. Then when Antonio Brown came in, he went down to like a 4% snap share. Um, they just acquired most new, and, and if Gordon's healthy, and especially with Nikhil Harry coming back, there's going to be games where he's their odd man out. He's the guy that they just well, they'll play 90% snap shares, and then they'll play 5% snap I get, Well, I got to wait until Gordon's back before I make that call, because like, as long as Gordon's yeah. out, I think Dorsett has, has a role. Uh, this is from Team Magenta Zone. Who are some good trade targets with excellent fantasy playoff schedules? Hang on one second, and I'll tell you. So here's our last question. Logan from Kentucky. Am I crazy for contemplating starting John Brown over Julio Jones this week? John Brown against Philadelphia. They give up maybe the most fantasy points to wide receiver. I think the most. Or Julio Jones against Seattle. I definitely would have done that before the Sanu trade. I currently have Brown one spot ahead of Jones in non-PPR and Jones a little bit higher in PPR. I do expect his target share to go up, hopefully. Um, But I don't think it's crazy at all. I think Brown may even be safer this week. I know Ben hates John Brown, so he's going to say no way. (laughs) It's crazy and you're crazy for telling him it's not crazy. No, baby, this is contingent. Why do you hate John Brown? It's not even that I hate John Brown. They, They threw 26 passes last week. Like, Julio Jones, you start every but, week. But Matt he has Ryan, fifty point upside. He has Matt a fifty Ryan. point game every year. You don't want to miss that week. That Matt is league Ryan. or week winning upside every week. You don't sit him for a guy who might get six targets and catch a hundred yards and one touchdown. Let's let's clarify. I'm currently ranking and assuming that Matt Schaub is a starting right. quarterback for the Falcons. Okay. That's a little different. He doesn't have 50 point upside. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. I mean, if Matt Ryan were playing, yes, that'd be one thing. You start Julio Jones, but I think I would start John Brown. I would do it. I would if Matt Schaub is playing. I would start John Brown over Julio. Ben, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you think about that. What do you think? Still don't. Still don't think I would. Okay. All right. So uh, Magenta Zone asked for the best playoff schedules. I don't like this exercise yet. I think it might be a week or two early. I want to see a little bit more. But I did go through weeks 14, 15, and 16 for quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends. I sort of lumped quarterbacks with wide receivers. And trying to find the teams that have the best matchups. And what I did was I looked at so I looked at fantasy points allowed to each position. And I took the top 10, the, basically the 10 worst teams against each position. And I found, uh, I found teams that have multiple matchups 
against those teams that struggle against quarterbacks, running backs, or tight ends. Hope that makes sense. So Greg Olson is someone that really jumps out. He has Atlanta, Seattle, and the Colts. All three of those teams struggle against tight ends. And, um, or, yeah, they do. Atlanta is a team that I'm considering to be worse than their total season stats because they've had so many injuries. I expect them to be terrible defensively going forward. Uh, I don't know how much I trust Greg Olson, but he does have a very favorable schedule. Um, Unfortunately, the Jaguars and the Dolphins are two teams that have very good playoff schedules, but... Tennessee, like, okay, here are quarterbacks that have multiple matchups, multiple favorable matchups in the playoffs. Jacksonville's quarterback, Tennessee's quarterback, whoever those are, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has at Philadelphia, Miami, and at Washington. Hopefully he's as good as he was against Arizona. Yeah, this does nothing for me. (laughs) This does nothing for me. I mean, look, he was bad against Washington the first time. Uh, Cleveland has Cincinnati, Arizona, and then Baltimore. So that could be good for Baker. He's got a tough stretch now. Baltimore's then it's going to be easy. tough going forward. Fine, yeah. but weeks 14 and 15, Cincinnati, Arizona, Cleveland's got a good matchup there. Cincinnati has Cleveland, New England, and at Miami. So they have two of three good matchups. I don't know that there's much. To be honest with you, I really like Tom Brady weeks, like just after his bye. Tom Brady is at Philadelphia. His bye is in three weeks. He finishes the season at Philadelphia, Dallas at home, at Houston. Houston awful against quarterbacks. Then Kansas City at home, at Cincinnati, and then you do have to worry about Buffalo in week 16. But Brady has some has like four beautiful matchups in his last six games. You just you worry that in December he throws like 18 passes right. a game. And a lot of he's already had so many good matchups all season and hasn't been that productive because they get way ahead. Their defense crushes and then they just run the ball in the second half. He's still a top 10 quarterback though. And he's actually throwing 39 passes per game, which is very high. And he just added like running back passes. He just added Muhammad Sanu, which is nice. Um, I I don't see anything with the quarterbacks, honestly. Uh, Maybe Jacoby Brissett at Tampa Bay at New Orleans and then Carolina. Like at New Orleans, I, I don't know that New Orleans is that easy of a matchup. So they statistically they are, but I don't see anything with the quarterbacks. Uh, the Oh, Kansas City, though, has terrible matchups in the playoffs. At New England, Denver at Chicago. You know what this is for you? For uh, It's a good piece of evidence for your take that you need to roster two quarterbacks or that quarterbacks have trade value or any of that stuff because, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of streaming options. Maybe the case is this year you want to play the matchups a little bit in the postseason. You might want to have two reasonable quarterback options so you can, like, there's no one guy you can ride out. I, but I think there are a lot of streaming options. Like he just told us, all the bad teams for quarterbacks have good matchups. We don't know who some okay, of their quarterbacks fine. are going to be. That almost makes it easier to stream them. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna trade for them though. You know, like I'm not gonna trade for Ryan Tannehill or Andy Dalton because they have good playoff matchups. If, yeah, I like he's take better than mine though. He's right. Uh, running backs, teams with good matchups. The Dolphins running backs have three top 10 matchups and two top five matchups, right? I mean, this is such a bust. The Dolphins have the Jets, Giants, and Bengals in the fantasy playoffs. I mean, maybe that's good for Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Minnesota's got great matchups in the playoffs. Washington has two top five matchups, Green Bay and the Giants. They also have Philadelphia in there. Baltimore, uh, weeks 15 and 16, Jets and Browns. Not like not like super easy. I know those teams are giving up points, but I you know it doesn't strike me as like I, a very easy schedule. Adam, yeah, I really think, and I know we had people ask for this. It, you were right at the very beginning of this segment. It's just almost it's too early. Yeah, because a lot of these things we we've seen evidence from some of these defenses the first half of the season we've seen so far that they were good matchups, and the second like two games against elite running backs could still greatly change. Sure, yes. Yeah. The performance of a team. So I, I don't know that we know much. I Okay, fine. I will identify this. The Patriots having Houston in week 13, Kansas City at home in week 14, and at Cincinnati in week 15. That, to me, seems indisputably beautiful. Uh, the Bears facing Green Bay in week 15 and Kansas City in week 16. Those are two easy run defenses. And Jacksonville. Jackson. Out there. 
Oh, their matchups. Oakland and yes. at Atlanta and fifteen and sixteen. Oh, the I, Chargers I too. The Chargers are a bad, bad run defense right now. So Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette has three great matchups, I think, in the playoffs. Chargers at home at Oakland at Atlanta. Ben definitely should have taken him over Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight. Uh... And that's it. I mean, Darren Fells has good matchups going forward. His fantasy postseason's great. He has Tennessee and Tampa Bay. They're, in my opinion, two of the three worst. Uh, against tight ends. But what are you going to do? You're going to trade for Darren Fells? Come on. So this was a disappointing exercise, but still worth doing. And I think I'm going to do it again in probably two weeks when we have a little bit more data, and I think we can get something clear. But to me, Greg uh, Olson, Tom Brady, Sony Michelle, go ahead. We can finish the show on a high note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got 1,064 votes in our Twitter poll. No oh, God. You're starting an NFL franchise. Who do you prefer as your starting quarterback? And Gardner Minshew is winning 54% to That's 46%. Really, oh my God. It's really wrong. It's wrong. It's just bull. wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Like, it's just wrong. Okay, so thank you for bothering me uh, for a full hour <laughs> and 10 minutes, Heath. Much appreciated. Go take our survey, cbsports.com slash survey. For Heath and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the NFC Home Games. <laughs>